On today's episode, the NFL has revised its overtime rules, and fans of teams that have lost in the postseason recently got more sodium in them than Mrs. Dash. Also, the NFL is requiring one minority and one female coach on the offensive side of the ball. I tell you why the NFL isn't equipped to handle this backlash, because they do not deal with reactionary stuff very well. All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. I'm in a good mood today. I usually get about two, maybe three hours of sleep, like because my mind just never shuts off. I was able to get about six hours yesterday, so I'm feeling good, feeling spry. It's nice and clear and, and sunny out there. It's about 40 degrees, which to a lot of people doesn't sound like much, but to Alaska, that's how we know that we're turning the corner. The snow and the ice is off of the streets. We still have a little bit in our front yard, but the backyard's cleared up, so we're getting there. Slowly but surely, we're starting to get there. Also in a good mood because I took about 30 minutes this morning and had the ability to talk with somebody who is a hip-hop artist and music producer who's got an album dropping towards the end of April. So we're not going to upload and distribute this episode quite yet. We're probably going to wait a little bit longer. We had some technical difficulties, so we might either A, redo it, or B, have a secondary portion of it that we meshed together to make one longer episode. But that was really cool to be able to chop it up with him for a bit. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a couple weeks before we actually drop it. We're actually going to be talking back and forth on how we want to navigate it and boost this thing up and, you know, kind of tease it, if you will, build the, uh, build the anticipation because that's part of the game too. Yeah, it's just been a good morning and I'm, I'm, I'm psyched and I'm ready to be on the microphone. So let's get into some NFL talk. So the NFL has gone ahead and changed the overtime rules for just postseason games. Now, there's a lot of people who are pissed off because they think, well, if you did it for the postseason, do it for the regular season. Now, we see this a lot sometimes where they'll they'll kind of toy with something in the postseason or maybe at like a, a lower level. Like baseball does this a lot where they toy around with certain rule changes and they'll, they'll put it down there and see how it works and then slowly implement it into professional baseball. And there's a chance that whatever these rules are in postseason might get relegated back to the regular season as well. There's a potential for it. But what I'm mostly seeing is fans of teams who have lost recently in overtime games. Ugh, well, it's about time. Bills fans are the worst that I've seen. And to a degree, I get it. Like, that was one of the most gut-wrenching losses you could probably see. But by the same token, it wasn't the offense's fault. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the way that the NFL had postseason games beforehand. Like, to me, it wasn't as big of a deal. Now, the thing I'll give the NFL credit for is that they're at least willing to try and tweak this. There's no guarantee that this thing is going to stay put. I have a feeling that it will, though, because I, the way that people are so overreactionary and the way that businesses are so willing to overreact to overreaction, I don't know if they're going to... They'll probably change the rules again in you know, another 8 to 10 years or so or something along those lines, but I don't know if they're going to recant or go back to the way the rules were before what they're implemented now. Because what they've changed it to is each team gets a possession, period. Like It's going to happen. You know, the the old rendition was whoever scores first wins, sudden death. Then they change it to, okay, well, if you score a touchdown in the first drive, game's over. Score a field goal or don't don't put any points up on the board, other team gets a shot. And then we kind of play back and forth when playing awkward Wimbledon until somebody does score. It's not that I don't like the rule change. I think that it will 
keep fans and teams more engaged. I don't think it needed to be done. Like the fact that, because the Chiefs opted when they lost in the playoffs in 2018, they're like, hey, we want the rules to be changed. And the NFL was like, nah, man, y'all. And then the Bills lose and they're like, hey, man, KC, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to, now, now we're going to go ahead and implement it. And I do feel like this is largely overreactionary because the game between the Bills and Chiefs, in a lot of people's eyes, like that was the Super Bowl. To almost everybody, they feel like those were the two best teams. It's a shame that we're not going to be able to see them at least one more round later because that was a divisional game. At least let it be the championship game. And I see where people are also putting their flaws into this can't be, you can't have the two best teams play each other in the divisional round. Like what sense does that make? But that's the playoff format. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. I feel like it is kind of in a way taking away from the defensive side of the football, but also if it's supposed to be that important, you need to make it important. Buffalo didn't make it a priority. To me, I don't feel like the, the rules should have been changed because of that game. Now, because that was the last overtime game that we had, and because it was such a spectacular football game, and it's not even just Bills fans. It's football fans saying, yo, we wanted to see that duel continue. We wouldn't mind that thing went to 14 overtimes. Just to let, let those two teams just throw haymakers at each other. Now, this doesn't seem 100% clear right now. The way that I understand this is the current rule changes. Let's say it is Buffalo and Kansas City. And Kansas City scores a touchdown first, and then Buffalo scores a touchdown. I'm not... I've tried looking at this. It just says after that it's basically sudden death. So if that truly is the case, there's going to be a point where... Well, what if Kansas City scores another touchdown? They're like, game over. Well, we want Buffalo to do it again too. Come on. It's just, it. Some there's going to be something that happens where it's going, they're going to have to retool it again because fans are going to get pissed off. And the NFL's like, we will listen to our fans. It's like, well, you kind of do. But at some point in time, and it's good to listen to them, but at some point in time, you got to put your foot down and say, no, we're done with this. Because it is, it's either that or at some point in time, we're. I don't believe that we're too far off from there being a chance where this is just... Instead of a 15-minute overtime, it's 10 minutes. Whoever has the most points at the end of overtime wins. Now, I don't know if that'll happen because you could run into the fact that you might get a team that's super ground-oriented, right? And let's say that their ability to pick up short yardage situations, third and two repeatedly, grind the clock out, and it's a nine-minute possession. That's going to... That's not fair. Make it 15 minutes. Like there's no, there's never going to be a perfect science to this. There's always going to be somebody bitching about it. Now I applaud the NFL for trying to at least be creative and, and find some kind of common ground. But what they're really going to have to do is like, since this rule is implemented now, they've got to start working now to figure out what is a good final solution for overtime. And then we're not screwing around with it anymore. Cause people are going to complain with one specific scenario take an isolated incident and then bitch and moan and complain. And if we're listening to our fans, are you going to cater to everybody all the time? At some point in time, if you're the NFL, you're like, no, we're the NFL. We make the rules and you, you're going to watch regardless anyways. Cause that's just it. We're going to watch anyways. It doesn't really matter. I don't know anybody at all who, regardless of why they say that they're not watching anymore, actually still isn't watching. Wink, wink. And the wild thing for me is like, when you look at the way that, NFL overtime games have gone since 2010. So I saw this. There's been 12 overtime games since 2010. 
That's basically one per year. And in the old playoff format, before they add an additional team, there was what, I think 11, 11 postseason football games total five on each conference and then the Super Bowl and now there's 13. I think my math is right on that one. So if you just want to put the numbers down to like the lowest common denominator, it's basically like 10% of games in the playoffs even get to overtime. So they're taking a, now 12 games is a small sample size, but 12 years and 11 games per year and now 13, that is a big enough sample size where you're like, yeah, like why are we making such a big deal about such a rare occasion in football? And it's because over the top fans care too much. I used to be that dude. I used to get like super bent in shape about the Buffalo Bills and just games in, in general. And like, I God, God bless my wife's soul. Like I, I could not imagine having to date me when I was in my mid twenties because I imagine I was just annoying as all hell. We'd be at the bar and I'd start throwing my hat at dartboards and, you know, people would make fun of me because I'd be a Bills fan and my team was trash. And I would be like, oh yeah, well, you know, I, cause I was that dude. Oh yeah. Well, you're a Falcons fan or you're a Lions fan. You know, your team sucks too. Like there was, I was that dude. I was so toxic and I'm so glad that I've been able to kind of, I guess, mature. I don't even know if that's the right word, but yeah, like, it's, it's those types of fans. Those types of people are the ones who are pushing so much on this because I've, I have evolved as a fan and this is going to be a little bit, a little bit more off topic, but I've evolved so much as a fan where one of the, my favorite sayings is you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. I've been so accustomed to the Bills being bad now that they've been good. It's for me, I'm not even looking at it as for like, would the Bills fall off? It's when are they going to? And when they do, I'll be emotionally prepared for that. It's just, it's a skill that I've learned over the years. But to kind of get back on topic, like, yeah, we're only getting one playoff game on average per year of 11 to 13 that even goes into overtime. And of those, now I understand why they made a little bit of the tweak because 10 of the 10 of the 12, the first, the team that received the ball won that game. Now that's an overwhelming majority, right? 10 out of 12, five out of six, it was like 83% or something like that. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big chunk. And seven out of 10 were walk-off touchdowns. So you figure of the 10 wins, 70% of them were based off of the first possession getting a touchdown. But if you're doing seven out of 12, that's almost 60% of all the games period were ended off first person or off the first possession touchdown. So there's three games where there was a little bit of a back and forth, but the team who won the coin toss still won 83% of the time. So this is the latest tweak that they've gotten these overtime rules. Again, I, I like it. I think it'll be more entertaining. It'll be more engaged. It'll keep more eyeballs in these games for longer. Well, obviously because they're not just being decided there's more football to be played. But I think we all know that one fan that if you're if your team's playing and it goes into overtime in a playoff game and your team doesn't receive the ball, that they just shut the TV off. I think we all know somebody who goes, well, it's over. You're not going to get that anymore. You're going to get eyeballs glued to it more than you would beforehand. So the NFL is doing this to make it seem like they're listening to the fans. I also, to a degree, I they are. But I also feel like this is still just another ploy of them to say, we just got to keep more eyeballs here as long as we can get more sponsors. Cause that's the thing. Once the game ends, like what is there to do? If you get more commercial spots, you make more revenue that way. They can twist it however they want to, but what they do is a stair step progressions to keep you locked in longer. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's the bigger reason why they're doing it than just to 
listen to the fans. That's bad for radio, but I was doing air quotes. But I feel like there's more to it than that because nothing they ever do is just out of the goodness of their heart. And they really don't really like listen to the fans because you think that if they did, their suspensions would be a lot different. I know it's a little bit of a different topic, but the way that they treat certain things, Calvin really gets busted for gambling. He's out for an entire year. And then you have people with assault weapons and drug possession charges or domestic violence. And it's like eight games. Uh, it's four. It's four games. Uh, it's two. What are you really trying to say that you really care about? What you're doing is that you're saying the gambling portion of it, because that's what makes you money. Now you're in bed with gambling. You're okay with it. You're promoting it now. That's where your money maker is. Well, we can't have that. We can't have people thinking that we are fixing games or that we allow it. But it's okay if you want to beat on your wife or girlfriend or, you know, carry illegal firearms and stuff like that. That's, that's not a big deal. It's the gambling. It's the bottom line. It's the people in Vegas. We, we, we can't, can't upset them. The shield and its morality. Get the hell out of here. I'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. So on Monday, the NFL implemented another rule that requires all 32 teams to hire an offensive coach who is a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority for the 2022 season. I feel like on the surface, this is a good idea, but potentially could blow up in their face on multiple fronts. Now, if you are a woman or a minority or a combination of the two, you're probably having mixed feelings about this too, because you're saying now is my opportunity to get into the space that I am trying to occupy. The other thing is, I don't want to be hired because I feel like they have to. It's because I'm qualified for this job. Because the word coach is used very loosely now in the NFL. You can have coaches and coordinators and just made up stuff. So what I'm worried about this happening is them hiring somebody who is less qualified, making up, a, like just putting a tag on something as far as their job position, uh, job description, and like their place in the team. I'm worried about them saying, well, we could just pay this person, you know, X amount of money, slap a label on it, and there we go. There we met our quota. And they're not involved in football operations. They're not involved in any way, shape, or form. It's literally just for them to have the PR stud of, hey, we hired so-and-so. Look at what we did. And everybody involved on this who is going, who fits those demographics that they're trying to pinpoint to have them be a point of emphasis for employment has to have that kind of go through their mind of, well, do they hire me just because, or like, do they really think that I'm, that I'm qualified for this? Because that's the whole reason why I want to be here. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be just, I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for what I'm good at because the NFL does a really weird way of doing this, right? They, they pretend that they are all for equality and everything of that nature, but in reality, they aren't. We touched on it a little bit at the end of the first segment. They do a really good job of trying to wrap themselves in not even just the American flag, but hide behind the shield of the NFL logo and also hide behind the morality of what football used to mean to us as a country, but who were the people playing football back in the day who were creating that narrative? And they're trying to just push that forward and think that that's how things still work, and it's not. So this move in its entirety, I, I feel like it's it's they're doing it they're doing a good thing, but for the wrong reasons. Because if it were created, if it really were an equal opportunity for employment, you wouldn't have to put these rules in place to force teams to do this. What I'm hoping is going to be the actual outcome of this 
is that they are going to hire qualified people of those two demographics or, you know, like I said, even a combination of the two, whatever, wherever it is in the landscape of who they're trying to directly influence by this or directly affect. If those people absolutely crush it and it's a, see, I told you so moment, there could be the potential for this rule going away because the owners are actually hiring people who don't look like them or look like their previous head coaches. So again, you can do something right, but do it for the wrong reasons. And that's what I feel the NFL is doing. I feel they're hiding behind things and trying to make it look like they're being a a front runner in this thing. When in reality, had you not treated this like the good old boys club for as long as you did, you wouldn't be in a position where you'd have to implement these rules because of the raining down of judgment that you're getting from women and people of color, knowing that you aren't giving everybody a fair shake. Because like when you look at the NFL in its entirety of the coaching landscape, right? On average, we almost have seven head coaching openings every single year. Seven. That's almost 25% of the league has a head coaching opening by the end of that season. And historically, it's the same types of teams, right? It's the Detroits, it's the Jets, it's the Giants, it's the Jaguars, it's those types of teams. There was a stint where it was San Francisco for a bit, but they found, it looks like they found there, uh, that they found the rock of this. Green Bay was another team where they don't really turn over coaches all that much. So there are certain organizations where it's not that big of a deal because they do have the infrastructure, they have great management, front office uh, there's there's a, a trust between them and the head coach, and they're not trying to win the headline every year. And as long as your team is still winning, it makes sense to hold on to that coach. But if you are one of those teams that is continuously recycling, you are the team who really has no reason to not give somebody else a shot. If you're recycling head coaches every sometimes 12 games to every two years, why not give somebody outside of the box by the metrics of what we've seen so far in coaching, excuse me, give them a chance to really prove it. Because again, if these candidates who are getting these jobs in those demographics start knocking out the park, I you would like to think that NFL owners would say, oh man, we've been doing this wrong for so long. What do we treat the draft like? A lot of times it's, yeah, we know that we need one specific need, but we've got a lot of holes. So why don't we just get the best available player with coaching? We got a lot of holes to fill, but let's get the most qualified coach. Not just the guy who's done it before. Sometimes it can be the guy who's done it before. But if that guy's had four or five or six opportunities, don't you think there's a reason why he's been cut four or five, six times? Why not get somebody who's on the up and up, who's won at different college programs per se, or use any example that you want to. You need to put yourself in a position to be uncomfortable so that your organization can be comfortable for 10 years and not have to worry about this this circus and this carousel of coaching that the NFL is. Again, seven teams on average per year? That's crazy. There's no reason why we should be recycling the same guys every single year because we did an episode a few months ago where this is what happens. A guy gets fired. Then he goes and crawls back to the Nick Saban tree or the Bill Belichick tree or the Andy Reid tree. And then he hangs out for a couple of years and those teams are really good. And then they get another job because they went back and crawled to daddy. And then he got him another job when they think that they're getting 
you know, a disciple of those head coach, or they think they're getting a some form of that coach and they just aren't. So there's that portion where, again, I think it it could be good. We'll see. It's it's obviously a very new role. We haven't seen any real movement on this yet. But I think it could potentially backfire if you are still undercutting people just to give them titles and give them less money than somebody else who might be more qualified, but you're worried about either them taking their job or you just you feel like you don't need them on your squad. It's just we're going to fit the quota. We're going to figure out a way to do it, create a position, pay them a low-income salary, and then roll out. That's what I'm worried about. The other thing I'm worried about is we've seen this in sports recently more where men are saying, I identify as a woman. Is that going to be an issue that the NFL is going to run into? Because I tell you what, if that's the case, they are not equipped to handle that. They're not equipped to handle a lot of the stuff that goes on because the NFL tries to be above the law itself. Well, we're not going to wait for the legal system to take it. We're going to be judge and jury. We're going to make the decision on it. Yeah, dog, like y'all ain't qualified for this. We talked about this this also at the be- at the end of the first segment with them putting different, they clearly have a hierarchy of what they think is important. Women is not really one of them in the grand scheme of things. Like, I don't think that I'm, I don't think I'm creating too big of a reach on that one. Not only that, but you see the conduct that happens within these organizations from, from female employees and chillers and things like that. Like it's, I don't think that I'm really reaching on that particular part. Sorry, got a little bit, a little bit sideways on that one, but yeah, like what are we, what are we going to do when that happens? Because I am more than confident to know that within it may not happen this year. You know, the block's too hot to do it right now. But within the next two, three years or so, we see somebody who thinks that they're good enough to be a, a coaching candidate who's a guy, and then all of a sudden flips the script and says, "Well." I identify as a woman. How is, yo, how are you going to tackle that one? No pun intended. But yeah, that's going to be something that I don't even know if they're going to be equipped enough to handle. Because what if you start getting people who say, oh, I identify as black or Asian or whatever whatever you are doing to try to swindle your way into that? Because I have a feeling that that is another thing that they're going to have to deal with. That one probably not as much so. I could still see it happening where there is somebody who tries to flip the script, twist the narrative of, well, I'm a white guy and I feel like I'm better at this. And the only reason why this guy got a job is because of, you know, the color of his skin. I identify as that now. I don't think we're too far off from having that happen. I don't like being like just the cynical guy or somebody who just has so little faith in humanity. But I really don't have that much faith in humanity where somebody isn't going to try to do it. And that's what that's what hurts me in this more than anything else is people trying to shoehorn their way into something just because like their feelings got hurt over something. These they're they're trying, I guess, to make things better. But is it going to just open up a whole new can of worms and make things even worse? I think that it does. If I had to put money on this, do I think that it will benefit women in minority or do I think it's going to create more problems? I'm leaning towards it's going to create more problems. Maybe not right away. Right away, you might see it be built for what its intended purpose is. But as things develop, as new coaching candidates rise up the ranks because 
Like I said, the turnover is crazy. It's not just the head coaching positions. It's all of them. Once there are more opportunities from people getting fired and other people who are on the upcoming thinking that they're qualified, they're not getting it for one reason or another, are they going to start flipping the script on people and try and say, oh, well, I'm this now. So I can try to just, again, just try to shoehorn my way in there some way or another. But again, like if, if these, if these teams just were on the up and up from the get go, we wouldn't have to force, just like force this down their throats. And I think that that's what a lot of people have a problem with. And honestly, it's a lot of white people have a problem with it because you're like, oh, well, you're just trying to make them hire and you're taking jobs away from white people now who are qualified. Okay, well, you know, if it was equal, it would be equal. We wouldn't be having this conversation in 2022. Now, this isn't the 40s or 50s anymore. This is like, we're so far removed from being those people, that country, that this is something that shouldn't even be an argument piece. It should be, oh yeah, that's really cool that we're going to start giving other people that weren't usually allowed in this space, we're going to start, you know, treating them that, that they, that they do belong. What in the hell is so ass backwards with this country where we're we're not okay with equality, which is the thing that we're supposed to preach and embrace and be, that is the American way. Except for unfortunately is not. America is wild with its hypocrisies, man. It really, really is. And now to be fair, I'll go back because it seems like I'm just saying, oh, only white men are going to do this. The thing is, I don't trust people. In general, like I could see this being where any person who feels like they are getting snubbed will find a way to try to navigate this of I identify as this because that gives me the best shot. And like I said earlier, you know, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement as far as that where where the NFL is going to have to really be in a position like a compromising position of where they're going to have to deal with this probably this season. I don't see that happening because, again, block's too hot. This is just happening. I don't know if people are going to want to test the waters on that right away. But for me, again, this is a matter of when, not if it happens. I'm really intrigued to see what is going to be the biggest transformation of what this person looked before their coaching job and what they were afterwards and seeing what they identified as beforehand and what they identify as now when they get that job. I'm actually super intrigued to see what coach a looked like before they became coach b that's gonna be a fun one and on that note we'll go ahead and hang it up for the day thanks for chopping it up with p scott i'm prescott kelly i'm getting ready to go back on my four-day work stint so i'll be out of commission until at least next monday tuesday and or wednesday so once again make sure to tell your friends we are on apple Podcasts, spotify and google Podcasts. tell your friends behind your kids hide your wives as always stay up stay blessed and we'll catch you on the next one